Oh yeah. Canceled too soon. A podcast. Podcast. About TV. Television shows. That were. That were very, very short. Canceled too soon. One season or less. Oh yeah. This week on Canceled Too Soon. X-Men. X-Men. This is the day. This is the day. X-Men. X-Men. Coming Coming your your way. Hello everybody and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted one season or less. My name is William Bibiani, I'm a film critic for Crave Online at Blumhouse.com. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I uh, contribute to... Crave Online and Blumhouse.com, and uh, I am the co-host of the B-Movies podcast. From whence we hail. And uh, I also have a really crappy scheduling system in my twisted brain. Yeah, so we owe you uh, uh, an apology. We we <laughs> said that this week's episode was going to be Police Squad mm-hmm. in color, uh, which is uh, one of the best and kind of most notorious cancel too soon shows, uh, particularly from the 1980s. Uh, and we had a special guest who was going to come on the show, and then we were going to record Sunday morning, and then Whitney said, oh, by the way, I have a scheduling conflict, and I only have one hour free. And I'm like, wait, what? So, Whitney fucked up. Yeah, it's this This is on me. I'm, um, I'm not going to pre- I'm not going to uh, be arrogant and pretend yeah. that this is something else, but I am going to say that uh, I'm still cool. You're okay. I'm, I'm not, I'm you're okay. not fired. <laughs> fired from the show that we're doing for that free. we created, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Police Squad. Police Squad will be bumped back to mm. next weekend, mm. uh, but we didn't want to leave you completely hanging this week, so we, we did one we've been kind of meaning to get to. We've had a lot of people asking us to do more animation. Superhero shows are very de rigueur, and this is one of the more notorious... Uh, uh, failed pilots. This is actually one that like you used to be able to like rent at Blockbuster. It yeah, was such a yeah. cool thing. Uh, uh, and, it is... it, and in fact, it was a big deal. Oh, it's huge. Uh, this when this came out when we were kids. Oh yeah, like w- this was talked about in hushed tones. <laughs> So, uh, the show we are doing this week on mm-hmm. Cancel Too Soon, the show where we review television series, the last of one season or last. <laughs> Just to reiterate. <laughs> uh, is X-Men mm-hmm. from 1989. A lot of people know the X-Men mm-hmm. animated series. It started around 1992. Mm-hmm. It aired on 20th Century Fox. It had that cool kind of electro metal score. That was the second try. Yeah, and... Uh, it, they they rolled that one out very slowly, if you recall, mm. uh, because they had the first two episodes done, yeah. and they aired them as like a spe- like on Fox. It aired on Fox Kids back mm. when that was a thing. Um, maybe that's still a thing. Fox Kids, I, no, because is- they. I, I- they might have Fox Kids somewhere, but you know they don't do Saturday morning cartoons anymore. I, which is a damn shame, Isn't that if weird? you ask me. But yeah. uh, it seems like against nature I to mean, not can... have cur- like a huge block of cartoons in the Saturday morning I, slot I, I anymore agree, on but network TV. At the same TV. time, kids can watch cartoons at any time. Well, it's yeah, it doesn't. It so doesn't make scheduled that, TV is that not used a to thing be the anymore. only time you could get cartoons. Like, and, and, well, like, and weekday afternoons, weekday too, afternoons, but, yeah. but they'd have it like for an hour, maybe two. Like mm-hmm. there was like a four or five hour block of cartoons. Yeah, with, if, like, if you got up early enough, like if you got up at five thirty or six, that's when the cartoons began. Yeah, and they would play straight through until eleven thirty, give or take. When, yeah. when when golf, wrestling, or Saved by the Bell came on, you knew the cartoons were dead. You know, like was... oh shit, never mind. It was always golf for me. <laughs> yeah, it was always it's like you go from like exciting superhero stories and pies in the face to. Golf. 
Well, you know, it, your turn is over. Now it's dad's turn. <laughs> it's grandpa's turn at that point. God, this golf is boring to watch. But yeah, they, they were showing the uh, the X-Men pilot. Like, they showed it as a special sneak preview, and I remember taping mm. it because I was excited to see it, even though I was, like, uh, maybe too old to be watching Saturday yeah, morning you were cartoons. you years older than me. This was 1989. How old were you? Uh, that was the year I turned 11. Okay. So I was so, 14. Yeah. No, mm. not 14. Nine. You would have been nine. Seven. <laughs> Subtract, not add. <laughs> Uh, it's 8.30 in the morning. Shut up. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, then on Halloween, I remember they had a special like viewer listener uh, contest. Mm-hmm. Or is it like, or was like, a, like the viewers got to vote on what they got to see in a certain block on Halloween. And uh, there was also a, there was also a contest winner in this block. Mm. Some kid that they just sort of plucked out of the street and he just could not read a teleprompter at all. It was just some kid. <laughs> and, but in order to make sure that he had a little bit of presence, they put him on screen with a guy playing Beetlejuice. And they, oh, fi- and they filmed at Universal Studios back yes. when the Beetlejuice uh, stage spectacular was a thing. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Beetlejuice from the Beetlejuice stage spectacular. And this kid said, well, and all the viewers wrote in about what they wanted to see. What show? The, what is, what's their favorite show? Evidently, this pilot from X Men, the new X Men, uh-huh. was the one they wanted to see the most. Yeah. No. And Fox, I think, had the rights to Pride of the X Men. However, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they didn't also fold that into the thing. Maybe because it's a completely different continuity. It is a completely different continuity. Yeah. We'll talk a lot about that. The characters mm-hmm. are there's a lot of overlap, but they're not all the same. And mm-hmm. Wolverine, in particular, is very different. And we'll talk yeah. about that in a minute. Uh, so, Pride of the X Men was the name of the pilot episode for the X Men animated series. It aired in syndication, so mm-hmm. the channel varied, uh, yeah. but it premiered on September 16th. 1989. Uh, at the time, Marvel Productions was cranking out a lot of cartoons. Some mm-hmm. of them were based off of their uh, their well, own car- uh, comics. This is and, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends was part of that. That was the most popular one, but they also yeah. had uh, The Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. uh, Spider-Woman, uh, The Fantastic Four, the version with Herbie the Robot. Uh, none of these were very good. <laughs> it should be worth saying. Most of them only lasted one season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we can cover these on Council Two soon. A lot of them. Yeah, uh, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends lasted three mm-hmm. seasons, and and the Spider-Man solo series actually segued directly into that, so it's kind of the same thing, so mm-hmm. that one doesn't count, but all the others are, are fodder. And the, 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 Marvel, the Marvel Productions was also, uh, they also worked on Muppet Babies. They also yeah. worked on, like, G.I. Well, Joe this, this was Transformers. A, this was a tie-in with the gigantic Depati Freeling uh, animation Empire, yeah. who was straddling the earth throughout the 1980s. And it wasn't until around the late 80s when X-Men was coming out that the company started to lose money and started to shut its doors on a lot of these superhero shows. And sure enough, the X-Men pilot was their last failure and Marvel mm. Productions as it was, mm. kind of died. I think they still kept making Muppet Babies for a little while, but basically, Muppet this Babies. Is it. Muppet Babies was like their was a, hit. Was a monster. Yeah, it, um, it's kind of weird to think how popular that show was. But Saturday morning cartoons, mm. the, reruns were kind of normal at mm. the time, and yeah, a lot well, of those shows, even though they premiered in like the early '80s, would still play in the late '80s, <laughs> early '90s. And Marvel had. Uh, what was called, depending on when you were watching it, uh, either the Marvel Action Universe or I think it was the Marvel Action Hour. Uh, yeah, it was. It was called the the Marvel Action Universe was yeah the, the most common. And they would cycle block. out. Um, they, they would cycle out all of their uh, cooler action shows, and this would include Spider Man Amazing Friends. They and would that, also that, have that kind of scheduling though was really common, especially if you look at a lot of like the Hanna Barbera stuff. Yeah, they would block into. It's like the the. 
Hercules Dino Mutt Hour. And, you know, they would always try to repackage two shows as, like, one single unit. Yeah. Um, if you remember the Saturday Supercade. <sighs> yes. But the problem with a show like this is you were never always sure what you were going to get. Mm. So you'd watch one Saturday. Which was great. I, I remember looking forward to sort of getting getting the one you were looking forward to, maybe being a little upset that you didn't get that one, but yeah. being excited when you did. It was... I thought it was kind of fun to have that little bit of a surprise on Saturdays. So one one week on Marvel Action Universe, you mm. get Spider-Man and his amazing friends and Defenders of the Earth and Dino Riders, which was mm. actually one of my favorites, and I want to drag it down. Dino Riders. Dino Riders was cool. Well, well, that's one of the toy cartoons. It was a good toy cartoon. Yeah. Dino Riders was about people. I think they were from the future, and they came back to the it, past, it or was, were they aliens who came to Earth during like the age they, of the dinosaurs? They were people who are from not Earth, like mm. advanced psychic humans from okay. a not Earth planet who managed to come back in time and, and ride on yeah, the back of dinosaurs. I couldn't remember if they were humans in the future or what. But they, but they, go, were, they were psychics, so yeah. they could control dinosaurs or something like that. Yeah. So it's, a, it's basically Land of the Lost, but they go back into uh, the past. It's an actual, like, Cretaceous period. Mm. And instead of just, like, communing with the dinosaurs, they put, like, rocket launchers on them and mm. shit, and they fight. And the toys were really cool because they were these dinosaur toys, and the dinosaur toys were rock solid. They were good-looking dinosaur toys. Uh-huh. So you could take off all the rocket launchers and still have great dinosaur toys. It was like two toys in one. <laughs> so I loved those toys. Those oh, yeah. toys were cool. Um, and then they also had, and this is more relevant, uh, they had RoboCop, mm. the animated series. Which was not the first time uh, they an R-rated film was adapted into a Saturday morning cartoon. Rambo. I believe Rambo predates it. Yes, it does. Um, but it's one of the few instances where an R-rated film was adapted into a Saturday morning cartoon. And we're going to, at some point, we're going to probably do a RoboCop month where we do RoboCop the Animated Series and RoboCop the Series, which um. aired in Canada, which was a live-action <laughs> RoboCop series. No, it, it aired in 90s. America, too. Oh, really? I don't yeah. remember playing... Okay, well, um, it I, I saw, played here somewhere. I saw a few reruns of that. Fair enough. But we'll, we'll get to both of those, because both of those lasted only one season. Mm. They were supposed to do 13 episodes of RoboCop the Animated Series, but rather than make the 13th episode, they decided to use their budget yep. to make X-Men the animated well, series and see if they can slip this pilot into the Marvel action universe and see if people the, liked it enough to keep going. And the money they were earning from RoboCop, Defenders of the Earth and Muppet Babies, the ones people don't talk about as much, uh, were the things that funded X-Men. Uh, yeah. Those were the big hits. Do you Did you watch Defenders of the Earth? Uh, not consistently, because it Defender, was on the action universe, and I never knew Defenders it was on, of the Earth yeah. was, uh, it was based on newspaper comics. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, Mandrake the Magician, Flash Gordon, Flash Gordon Lothar, and their, and their oh, children. And the Phantom. And the Phantom, excuse yeah. me. Uh, and well, all, soon to be played by Billy Zane. Uh, not yet. Yeah, but soon. Billy Zane was a glint, but a glint in the Phantom's eye. Slam evil. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds so dirty. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that was a really big hit i remember really liking that show and it was a way to sort of fold uh what are referred to now as pulp heroes into sort of the comic book hero universe they they were seen as kind of the same and defenders of the earth was a big hit it lasted it lasted i think more than one season i had some toys from that i remember that very mm. distinctly um so yeah rather than but robocop yeah was preempted in its last slot and uh x-men was put in its place yes and it was a big fucking deal because the x-men um, I think everyone knows the X-Men, but just mm-hmm. in case, it takes place, uh, it's one of the most popular Marvel comics, mm-hmm. especially was back in the 80s. It was like the number one yeah, Marvel yeah, comic. Yeah. Uh, and it was about a, a race of mutants, people who were born with incredible abilities, mm-hmm. and rather than this being simply cool, Stan Lee and uh, uh, everyone else who 
worked with Stan Lee because he didn't do all the work himself. Yeah. Uh, uh, was it Jack Kirby who originally worked on the X Men? I think. I, I think yeah. Jack Kirby did most of them as well. <laughs> uh, they it was they decided to use it as a metaphor for the civil rights era, mm. and the idea was having well, superpowers the, was a bad thing. People were afraid of you, and there the, was outright, mm. complete, flagrant public prejudice, mm, mm. hatred, calls the, for segregation yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, against uh, mutants, and it was very relevant. The original idea behind the X-Men, if you talk to Stan Lee, is that because the you're born with superpowers. There, there's no mm. like origin story, just you have it. You have this gene and you you have superpowers. You're born with it. But and he even once they, said that he came up with that because he was tired of coming up with origin stories. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, the, the idea is that the superpowers don't show up until you're uh, going through puberty. Most of so, the time, yeah. So the original idea was that it was a metaphor for adolescent angst. It was yeah. a metaphor for puberty. The changes your body is going through, but instead of merely growing hair, you can shoot eye lasers. Uh but yeah, then eventually they thought... It was thought, Jack Kirby, by the way. It was Jack Kirby, okay. okay. Thanks for looking up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they ended up turning it into this big metaphor for the civil rights movement and prejudice and whatever... whatever Anyone uh, who feels whatever group ost- is being prejudiced against. Uh, Anyone who feels ostracized yeah. can relate to the X-Men. That is the beauty of the X-Men. That is why the X-Men yeah. continue to remain topical and, the- and relevant. Because you can adapt it. Mm. When Brian Singer took over the X-Men in the early 2000s with the movies, mm. uh, he made it way more of an overt metaphor for, uh, for sexual Sexuality, yeah. yeah homosexuality, There's even homophobia. a coming out scene in X-Men, yeah. too. Have you tried not being a mutant? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's Mom, really on the nose, but it Mom, works. Mom, dad, I'm a mutant. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it really works, and it's also been very versatile, the X-Men, because there are so many characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of t- characters just related to the X-Men yeah. uh, that, that are mutants. Uh, Deadpool, for instance, is an X-Men character. Mm-hmm. He, I'm, he, I, he's not technically a mutant in the movie. They say like he, they kind of give him or no. activate like a dormant mutant the, the gene idea, in him. But the yeah. idea is, in the comics, he wasn't a mutant. He got powers like through just science. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie, the idea is because they don't have the rights to non-mutants in, in 20th Century Fox, uh, he had a dormant gene. Yeah, yeah. And they were able to activate it. And if you'll recall, we had the writers of the Deadpool movie on our other podcast, the B-Movies podcast, last month mm-hmm. to talk about uh, that film in great detail. And one of the questions I asked was, how did they know he had an X-Factor gene? <laughs> Because <laughs> not everyone does. Like mm-hmm. we've established that pretty clearly, and they were just like, well, you know, we never thought of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a bit of a plot hole. Yeah. Um, so it was really versatile. It was really big. Uh, but uh, when it came out in 1989, you know, the thing when you do any X Men series, whether it's TV, movies, mm-hmm. comics, whatever, which X Men? Yeah. Who do you pick? Uh-huh. What's your team? Now, the mm-hmm. ones that you obviously pick every time and they're pretty much consistently in every iteration Mm. Cyclops because he's the leader of the team Cyclops Mm. has laser eyes and well or impact beam eyes I know some people get mad about that Uh, but the idea is (laughs) yeah like nerds but the idea but yes they're impact beams yeah he he can't burn things with them they like shoot power they just force wow Um, like in, in this cartoon in fact he clears off a table yeah. With his eye lasers. It's good stuff. That That's the significant thing he does in the, <laughs> the animated special. Uh, but the thing with him is that he can't, like... He, he, it's like a, it's like a problem. Like his powers are broken, so like he, he can't, can't he can't turn off his eye beams. Yeah, so, so he, he has, has this visor that allows him to to, to yeah. see with them, which always kind of confused me. I don't quite see how it works, but okay. Uh, well, evidently the. The power of his eye beams can be absorbed by a certain kind of like ruby quartz, cr- yeah, ru- crystal that he wears over his eye. Okay, so he can wear sunglasses. 
weird. Sunglasses stop your yeah, eye beams. It's, it's a shame. You'd think they'd like leak out the edges of no his eye. Vision? Has sunglasses, That's got to yeah. be a problem, right? All right, so we got we got Cyclops. He's in this version. Mm. We got Storm. She's in this version, and she's and, in her glorious like goddess like bikini her, and cape in this version with her big my, kind of big hair. It's kind it, of amazing. My, my wife has always said, you know, like bikinis sexy, but like the bikinis that link up over the navel mm, with like, like a ring with a ring over it. Yeah. So, somehow that's like even sexier. That's like, the yeah. sexiest possible thing. Um, <laughs> and then the other one you have in every iteration of the X-Men because for a long time, I think he still would be considered, even after Deadpool, mm. the breakout X-Men character, Wolverine. Mm. Wolverine uh, is Wolverine a, has, he has like switchblade knuckles. He has like <laughs> knives that, that's, that sprout out of his fists. Yeah. And uh, I think just that like that look that it's design cool. well it's something little kids can imagine having yeah like little, little knives sticking out of your fist and you can pretend you're like slashing through walls and stuff so the, i think a lot of kids can connect to that and also he's the loner character he's the loner character he's like the i mean when he was originally conceived i think marvel wanted him to be more of a james dean type mm. and then they decided no we're gonna make him older we're gonna make him a bit more grizzled a bit he's more the, of, a, of a noir hero uh, and that he's made a lot of mistakes that happened in the 70s when that yeah. type of character was really big so he's like the Clint Eastwood, Charles yeah. Bronson kind of character. It, it, exactly. So he was really tough. Mm. He was really badass. And he was also, I mean, he was a killer, which also was kind of original at the time when he came out. The idea is here is a superhero team full of young and attractive and sexy people. And here's a guy who is a mass murderer. He's <laughs> part of the team and looking for redemption. And that was kind of cool. Uh, he is also... Canadian, because that's where Wolverines come from. Wolverines mm. are from Canada, Alaska. Sometimes they trickle down into Washington. They're also sometimes found in Russia. Mm. Uh, they're not in Australia, which is why it's really, really funny that in the X Men 1989 animated series, Wolverine is very Australian. Uh, I, I did a little bit of research on this as uh-huh. to why they decided to give Wolverine an Australian accent. There's a couple on of conflicting reports uh, on and that. Yeah, so one of the creators of the show uh, gave a report saying that. There was a line of dialogue where he calls another character a dingo. And the other uh, character, Pyro, actually is from Australia. And indeed, uh, he has, well, I think he's also Australian in this animated special. No, but even in the comics, he was Australian. Right. Like, the idea okay. is he was calling him, it was, it was a, a, an insult because of where the other character was from. Right. However, <laughs> yes. and this was in the late 80s when... Um, Mad Max was growing in popularity. Mm-hmm. Crocodile Dundee, uh, Crocodile was, Dundee was really huge. So yeah. they say, you know what? Aussie stuff is cool now. So we're going to have this really cool, badass character be an Aussie. And he called somebody else a dingo. So that must be an Aussie. The problem was the line of dialogue wasn't applied to the Australian character. Yeah, they ended up changing ended up it changing to someone else. To, they ended up changing it to the Frank Welker character. So yeah. uh, Toad, played by... Prolific voice actor Frank Welker. He's been in uh, everything you've ever watched. That's a cartoon and quite a bit of the live action stuff as well. If you've heard an if you've heard an animal make a noise in a movie yeah. at any time, it's likely Frank Welker did the voice to that animal. Yeah, he also was probably his other big claim to fame besides like Megatron mm. uh, is he was Slimer in the real Ghostbusters. And when you hear him voice Toad in this, like it's just like he's just doing Slimer. Well, he, <laughs> you, you can recognize his voice if you've yeah. seen enough enough cartoons he, he's not like he doesn't disguise his voice but you he's still amazingly talented uh andy circus does his frank welker impersonation <laughs> when playing gollum they should they should have just gotten frank welker 
to play Gollum because that's clearly what they were going for. So Wolverine uh, again, but yeah, he was, he was, he, eventually Wolverine would be played by an Australian, and, and to great success. How ironic is that? Mm-hmm. But when. Pride of the X-Men came out in 1989. That was the big point of contention for the fans. Fans kind of appreciated this show in general. It well, was a little, it was a little, the, obviously it was for kids and mm-hmm. it kind of like downplayed a lot of like the undertones and themes, but it was very well animated for the it, time. And, it, it, and even even better than the 90s show, I would say. I would say so too. There were even a few sequences, like there, there's a sequence where they're landing uh, in like inside the space thing. And asteroid the, M. The, asteroid M. That was the name of Magneto's asteroid land. Yeah, the, the, the bad guy's space bound Lair, and the animation looks like something out of a, a title sequence. It looks great. You know, the title sequences they put a lot of energy into, yeah. so the animation is great. And then you get to the show, it's like, what? Watch Every, everything's dumb now. This always bothers <laughs> me whenever I watch Thundercats because the Thundercats <laughs> opening sequence, the opening is, sequence is great. Looks fantastic. Like, holy shit, what is this show? Mm. And then you watch it, and it's so like it's like they spent all their money on the credits, and the show oh. is just so sparsely animated. <laughs> and crap. Like it's nah, yeah. It there sucks. are sequences though in the show beyond yeah. the title sequence that look just as good as a title sequence. They threw so, yeah, money at it. They um, really, really did good animation on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, where were we going with this? So we have Frank Weller, Wolverine. Oh, but yeah, like mm. the big point of contention was maybe it was a little too kiddy. Mm. It was a kid's show. I don't know what you're going to do about that. But a lot of people were mad about the Wolverine thing. And it mm. just did not... And frankly, it's even... Because it's weird because he's actually written rather in character. He's very mm. grizzled. He's very bitter. He's very. He's not very welcoming. He's <laughs> very prickly. Uh, and yet, every time you hear him talk with a thick Australian accent, you just want to strangle him. <laughs> it doesn't well, work. I, I can buy it. I think it's yeah. fine. Uh, the fact that Wolverine is Canadian is not vital to getting his grizzled character. Well, it's um, vital to the fact that he's from a place where there are wolverines. This, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and, and th- that like, is a problem. This would be like being called if, the if, penguin, but you're from like Qatar. Like it doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> you're from a desert nation. Yeah. Um yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But yeah. it was just kind uh, of the, arbitrary. The, and bad. the things they did correct were mm. A, the designs of the characters. Everyone's pretty spot on. They're they're taken straight off the page. And yeah. uh not even the Mar- a lot of the Marvel cartoons necessarily did that. Yeah. Um they made the juggernaut into like this nine foot giant, which I don't think he was in the cartoons, I but, think he, I think or in they, the comic books. No, he was. Uh, he was pretty fucking big. Like it, it, big. it depended on who was. But drawing in the cartoon, him, in was... the cartoon, he's just this mat. He's a giant essentially. Yeah, and I think he was for a while in the mm. comics as well. Yeah. He's he's usually like at least like seven feet tall. Mm. Um, like he's usually towering over everybody mm-hmm. else. Uh, but depending on who's drawing him, he but, could be closer to 10 uh, or 15. The, for, for what little you got of the characters, which you can convey in a 22-minute episode, they, yes, got, they got a lot an of it. Yeah. Cast. And I liked that it was told from the perspective of a character that we didn't get in the 90s cartoons until, mm-hmm. at least until later, uh, Shadowcat. Yeah, Kitty Pride. Mm. Um, Kitty Pride was for many people, particularly in like I think, I think she premiered in like the late seventies, early eighties. Mm. She was sort of the gateway character. The X Men had been around for a while, and Chris Claremont and John Byrne had a character come in who was sort of the new character, mm. uh, a, a the, new young teen character. Yeah, so we have someone who's a little younger, someone who's just being introduced to it. Uh, it's cool that she was, you know, obviously a, a, a young woman, and that was very empowering. In fact. Uh, Kitty Pride ended up having a, a huge influence on a lot of the more popular feminist characters that would per- appear later, including Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm. Um, Joss Whedon has said very specifically he was that, very oh, was Shadow Cat was one very of his very inspired okay. by Shadow Cat. Um, Kitty Pride is a young mutant. He has the ability to walk through walls. He calls it phasing. I believe you call it phasing. Yeah, and uh, the, <laughs> they, they 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 get 
rush through exposition so in this much. special because the, I mean you got no choice. They have no time. They have like ten. They have like twenty characters in this they, show. They have twenty characters. They have yeah. twenty minutes. You have, yeah. lay down the X Men universe as quickly as, as, quickly as, quickly as you can and get to the action as quickly as you can. Yeah. And they so, do. And, and they do it. They do it. Yeah. Um, but also whenever she like walks through like a piece of electronic machinery, she disrupts it like an EMP. Mm. Yeah. So that's uh, that's it's an interesting character. Um, so she at the beginning. Of the show, mm. she is recruited. But before we even get to that, mm. we have to talk about the opening credits. <laughs> now, when I was a kid, this, again, this was a big deal. This mm. was a cool show. And again, you could rent it from Blockbuster. And mm. I remember very distinctly, I think this is the first time I was ever ashamed of something I liked. <laughs> really? I'm tell All a story right. right now. All right. Uh, I was going over to a friend's house, I want to say like fifth grade, mm. and he'd never seen this, so we rented it from Blockbuster, and I brought it over, and we weren't allowed to watch it in the house, so we went to like okay. the VCR TV setup in the garage, which I realize now was probably where the kid's dad watched porn, like there's no other reason why that exists. <laughs> it wasn't like a cool oh. setup, it was like on a counter. Oh, oh that's a porn TV. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So now I realize how weird that was. At the mm. time, it was fine. Um, and we watched this thing, and I was like, oh, we gotta watch how cool this is. And we put it on. Uh, and we start watching the opening credit sequence and immediately now that I'm seeing it through someone else's eyes mm. I realize just how fucking lame this credit, these credits are Aww. because it's a montage of footage from the show and that's fine uh-huh. but the theme song is stupid it's it's no stupider than Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Friendly Neighborhood, Spider-Man. Yeah, I would say it is, because here's the deal. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Friendly Neighborhood, Spider-Man, uh, spins a web any size. Like, uh, it's all about Spider-Man. Okay. The X-Men theme song in Pride of the X-Men is about nothing. It's just it's, saving the day, vague heroism. Yeah, no, that, no, that, that was It's not saving the day. Par for the course. It's, this is the day. Oh, this is the day. Yeah, it's stupid. X-Men, X-Men, this is the day, this is the day, X-Men, X-Men, coming your way, Magneto's hordes are on the way to Pink Thunder. I noticed you wrote down all the lyrics here. Okay. Magneto's hordes are on the way to pillage, burn, and plunder. But there's one team that will not yield, a team that strikes like thunder. Thunder doesn't strike. No, no, they strike like lightning. X Men, X Men. At least, at least, day. At least one of stupid one thing. of the characters has control of thunder. I, I'm always a little upset that Storm is not more heavily featured in any X Men story. Mm. You well, in the comics, she is a lot. In the in the comics, but in none of the movies or TV yeah. shows. You can control the weather. That's kind of significant. That's kind of the biggest thing ever. You can, yeah. you can help fix the world. Uh huh. It's and, weird and, and that it's, you don't. It's weird that they have to come up with excuses why she's not doing that. Yeah. It's like you can control the weather. Why are you not irrigating, you know, drought-ridden places? And again, you know, a lot of these characters created at a time when people were only taking them so seriously, even in the comics. Mm. So these questions that are raised now were sort of things where it's like, but she just fights crime. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I care. She could be curing droughts. Like, right. like in California, we'd be fine. Like, this yeah. is what so the hell? Storm, come she, on. She should be a government agent and yeah. helping helping people around she the world. She should be working for UNICEF. Like, what the yeah, fuck? Was, like, why are you this? fighting? evil mutants you, you have more important yeah. things to do with your time and powers so the credits were stupid and even I was like oh shit but then the rest of the show yeah. was okay the rest of the, the show also begins well, with and, Stan Lee mm-hmm. giving, giving the opening oration kind of explaining with, things well if you and recall and giving a very mixed message have you look, here's, here's how Stan Lee does it I'm okay. going to do my best Stan Lee impersonation mm-hmm. which is going to be true, terrible true believers welcome 
This is Stan Lee of Marvel Comics warning you. I, I'm just doing like a 19. I'm doing Walter Winchell. <laughs> warning you to, to look around you, your classmates, your friends. You never know which one of them may be a mutant, a person born with strange and wondrous powers. Now, some mutants, like the X Men, use their special gifts for good. But then there are the terrorist mutants who plan to destroy the human race. And I'm like, uh, wow. So. You want me to look at everyone I know with fear and suspicion because yeah. they might be different from me. That's Stan Lee saying that. Well, but that, that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a dark thing to open the show with. If, that's not if, on point. That's uh, giving the villain. Stan Lee is, he's like, he's like P.T. Barnum. He's like yeah. William Castle. He's a, he's a showman more than he is a story guy. And mm-hmm. uh, trying to create instant intrigue is his game, and I think that he did it well. But again, the point of the show, again, mm. for kids is... The people Be who are taller. different are not, you know are not scary. That's not the point of the show yet. I imagine if the show had continued, they'd get to that. And it's there's in there. and there's a few lines that. of prejudice, but lot, it's and, but heavy prejudice. Yeah, it's like get Real away, prejudice. get away from me, stupid mutant. That sort of thing. Uh, Muty uh-huh. is what they use. That's their that's their uh, slur uh-huh. against mutants, <laughs> and they threw it out like candy. That's a stupid slur. It is a stupid slur. I'm not I, arguing I, that. But, oh, let's hold on. Racists should any... come up with better slurs for mutants. No, you know? I think we should. <laughs> yeah, let's not fall down there. But like it's. <laughs> It's there's the and then the next line of dialogue, the first line of dialogue in the show, proper line of dialogue from a truck driver Mm. is muties. I hate him. Mm. Take this mutie we're hauling tonight, for example. He's too dangerous to live. Uh. And you're just like, whoa, because the racism Mm. on this show from non mutants and even frankly from Kitty Pride is so public. Mm. Yeah. There's no shame to it. It's like Twitter, but in real life. Like, it's just, everyone's just, there's no one's like, it's okay to hate Mm. in this universe. And I will say this. I know some people complain that maybe the themes in this show weren't terribly well explored. They created an environment that makes it feel like the X-Men are genuinely quite oppressed. And that's something I didn't even get from the 1990s series very well. Oh, I I actually, I thought they were really good about that in the 1990s series, where they talked about, so in the first couple episodes, Mm -hmm. there's a... uh, the Beast yeah. is put on trial, oh, and, and he, and he has that. to yeah, quote yeah. Uh, Merchant of Venice. Like mm. in the first couple episodes, they were really good about that, about addressing okay. sort of um, I am a mutant, warmed and sunned by the but, same. Yeah, but it's, I guess uh, my point is they they made it more about the, more the storyline in the 1990s version. Mm. But here it's so casual. It's yeah. just this this background noise of keep, hatred. Keep in and mind intolerance. this this is the pilot, so they kind of have to rush through mm-hmm. it. So I think it's fine that they do kind of rush through it. But they did present that those attitudes were there. Yeah, and then we cut to the back of the truck, so, and it, Magneto in, is there. In, in being harsh, I think it was serving a, a kind of a quick dramatic oh, I'm function. Not even, I'm not even saying it's mad. I'm just saying I think it's just amazing that how in your face it is. <laughs> so then the next thing happens is you see Magneto, and he's mm. being like carted away. I guess he's been captured somehow on mm. the back of this truck. And the, he's obviously been in this truck for a while. He's in a force field. Mm-hmm. And his first thing you hear him say is, I am Magneto. Release me. I command it. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. Can you imagine like being in the same room with someone for a couple hours? And then just like, and then all of a sudden I yell, I am Bibbs. <laughs> you're like, yeah. We, we got you, buddy. That's why you're in this force field. It would be great if like they were to restage this, but have that scene be just like a, a good four or five minutes of no dialogue at all. They're just sort of sitting, looking around. <laughs> Want some gum? No, thanks. And then just all of a sudden, I am amazing. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah, that guy. Okay. 
Now, the voice cast on this is full of a lot of people who just you've heard them in everything. Like the voice like, of Bumblebee plays Colossus. Well, yeah, like you don't you don't necessarily know their names, but you've yeah. heard their voices. But kind of the coolest get that they got. Not that he's super famous, but you Be, know his face. Besides Frank Welker. Besides, besides Frank Welker, yeah. is the voice of Magneto is Earl Bowen. Who is Earl Bowen? Uh, he was the doctor, the psychiatrist in the Terminator movies. Oh right, the one that like when the Hamilton like stabs in the knee, uh, like and like tries to like shoot Drano into his neck, mm-hmm. like that's Magneto. Like that's kind of cool, actually. Mm-hmm. So he plays Magneto. Um, he's yelling at this general, and then the scientist who's been keeping Magneto in a force field this whole time yells, "He's a mutant!" And like, why did you have him under a force field? Isn't that kind of excessive? If you don't think he's a mutant, why do you think he's dressed like that? Is it Mardi Gras? Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, he's got this purple cape on, and yeah, pretty fabulous. Yeah. I don't understand what you. Th- okay, fine. And then the White Queen shows up, uh-huh. uh, and. She makes everyone in this military convoy think that they're being pulled down into quicksand. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of something that John Mulaney was talking about. It's a good comedic bit. John Mulaney's a stand-up comic. All right. Uh, and he was talking about something, and it's, it made me laugh because it's true. He said that when he was a kid, he wasn't ready for like the real problems that fall upon you when you're an adult. Like, what happens when relatives ask to borrow money? Like, that wasn't the thing. What he was worried about and what he thought was going to be a way bigger deal was quicksand. Because when you're a kid, quicksand is everywhere. Every cartoon, every Mm. TV show. It was was really, really common in cartoons, quicksand. So I was totally accepting this. And now I'm just like, why do you think there's quicksand on the highway? Why would that be? That's the the, thing that convinced you. Well, they know that they're dealing with superpowered bad guys. And Mm. they thought that the superpowered bad guys had the power to turn concrete into quicksand. So they fled and it turns out she was just clouding their minds like the shadow. Which is, from the comics, she can do that. Okay. Uh, She also has, like, she can throw harpoons, like, psychic harpoons, which I don't don't think is in the comics, but uh, whatever. Grant Morrison introduced this idea, like, later on in the comics Mm. of secondary mutations. Like, you're born in, like, a mutant, and then you continue to mutate. And then you uh, get another power. It's just a way of giving people different new powers. superpowers. Exactly. But, yeah. but like her, her other... L- lame dramatic excuse. Her other power was she could turn into crystal. So like it's, even that's weird. Like that doesn't make any sense. So she... she like January Jones turns into crystal. She breaks Magneto out. Magneto vows that his quote brotherhood of terrorist mutants uh-huh. or evil... Was it evil terrorists? What is it? Brotherhood, uh, of, brotherhood of... Mutant terrorists. Mutant terrorists. Which, and, is a, which is bad branding. Well I mean it, in, in, the, <laughs> in the comics they're called the brotherhood of evil mutants they call themselves evil still so, bad yeah. branding and they they spent they've tried so many years to try to explain why anyone would name them like that <laughs> and they've never come up with a good explanation it's because in comic books you need bad guys and yeah. the bad guys can call themselves evil at one point in comic history but the idea with now magneto they're trying to make is, them a little more realistic and people wouldn't do that the irony is that of course that magneto thinks he's right he doesn't think he's like committing crimes he thinks he's liberating his people right. that's that's the irony um, so he like, oh, which, okay. which they don't get at in this special. Not really. But yeah. like he, he vows his revenge on everyone. And the general who said he was going to kill Magneto, he gets his revenge on the general by throwing him in a puddle, making him slightly damped. <laughs> it's the, uh, the, the Buford T justice yeah. form of justice. And then Magneto and white queen escape. And mm-hmm. then we cut to, uh, professor Xavier's Academy mm-hmm. and shadow cat, Kitty pride. She's mm-hmm. driven up in a taxi. She tells the taxi, it's like the opening of Suspiria, can you wait? Uh-huh. And the taxi cab driver is like, no, I'm a racist against mutants. I'm going to leave. And he leaves, and Shadowcast is just like, oh, I'm scared too. And it looks oh, really yeah. nice. 
It, it's it it's really a pleasant, pleasant day. It's a big mansion. It's uh, at the Huntington Sh- Library. Shadowcat like serves in this uh, in this special the same function Jubilee did in the uh, eventual '90s series. Yeah, the opening storyline with Jubilee is basically the Shadowcat story from Pride of the X. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Jubilee was. It's interesting that Shadowcat lingers more than Jubilee ever did. Like Jubilee uh, yeah. is not as considered a significant an X Men character now as Shadowcat. Uh, although when I was growing up, Jubilee was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Jubilee was like they're going to be their t- the fate the teen face of the X Men. Yeah, she was a mole rat, uh. like literally, and she could shoot fireworks out of her hands, mm-hmm. uh, and it was basically useless. <laughs> but she was like friends. Yeah. Both both her and Shadowcat became like. Wolverine's kind of humanizing gal pal, yeah. and, like, and then in, because they liked him, you liked him. And then in, in the movies, they gave that role to Rogue. Yeah. Uh, so there, there was always been a teen girl avatar for the teen audience. Yeah. Or not avatar. Yeah, I guess avatar. Yeah, it's avatar. And so yeah, she wanders in. Uh, she's given uh, exposition dump immediately. Yes. From a psychic vision of Professor X. Oh, and this is really weird. So she goes in, and Professor mm. X says, "You know, Kitty Pride, blah 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 blah. You're a mutant. Exposition, mm. exposition. This is a psychic vision of me." So uh, that I can greet you uh, from all the way over here, and then he takes her into the next room and he's where right, Professor and he's X right is. there. I'm like, dude, you couldn't get the fucking door. Like, that's really <laughs> rude. Like, it, I don't get again, it. again, exposition dump. It's just to prove that he can do that. Uh, <laughs> and then he wh- takes her to the danger room, the danger room, which is uh, the X Men holodeck where they do all their training, uh, yeah. and we're introduced to the team, uh, and they all get to see them do cool X Men. And stuff. these are all characters. I think everybody knows at this point. Maybe all, uh, were, if you if you've seen the movies, you kind of know these characters. And, and if all really, uh, they were all pretty heavy, uh, heavily involved in the comics yeah. at the time. Yeah, so we have uh, Storm, we have yes. uh, Nightcrawler, the mm-hmm. Alan Cumming character from the movies. Uh-huh. Uh, 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 later, Cody Smith-McPhee. Yeah, uh, and, he's, and he's the most monstrous of them all. He mm-hmm. looks like a demon out of, like, a, 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 a William Blake painting. Yeah. You know, like, but he can teleport, but he's really, really nice, and mm-hmm. that's kind of the cool thing. Like, you feel yeah, yeah. bad for Nightcrawler in this, because even Shadowcat like, is kind of scared of him. Freaks out a little bit, yeah. but he's the ni- nicest character. We yeah. have uh, uh, Colossus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have Wolverine and Dazzler, and we <laughs> and we have Dazzler. And this is the only time in any other media, other than uh, some of the video games, uh, where Dazzler is a prominent member of the X Men. Yeah, she's never she's never really been in the movies. And, they were gonna have like this, a cameo gag. No, she was played by Taylor Swift in I think X Men Apocalypse on like an album cover. That would have been great. It would have been really really funny. No, they cut it from the film. I don't Dazzler know is a definitely a product of the seventies. Oh she she used to be a roller disco queen with uh, mirror ball roller skates. Yes, and uh, like a, a fabulous nineteen seventies bodysuit. And her superpower was when she sang, she could also flashlight. Well, she could turn sound. Uh, into light which doesn't really work you know if you're on stage and you're a disco queen that is a really handy power to have but you're not but here's the thing no one could hear you sing you're turning the sound into light you don't have any sound left huh because they talked about that it makes things quiet like that's the irony like it's one thing if it was like a sound uh, power. No, it, the light. It's a it's a weird power. By the time we got to the late '80s, they had to like drastically redesign the character. So she's got like a little t- leather mini jacket and a headband and the blue yeah. suit. And she looks when like I Rogue was, eventually looked like in when, the '90s. When I was a kid, that was the sexiest possible thing. Was that just Dazzler outfit? Oh my god! Like, that, and she had like that headband. Yeah, like that, she that just that kept sort of done sh- working out. Short, 1985. short, kicky hairdo. Oh my god! <laughs> so I, I, I don't have a lot of like cosplay fetish. <laughs> These days, we all but, like Dazzler, but we? Dazzler is still lingering in there somewhere. Uh, and yeah, you'll notice that, however, the design and this particular lineup uh, was used 
for the X-Men arcade game, yeah. which came out a year and a half after this TV special. I think it was more like but, 92. But bef- I think it was before the X-Men, the new X-Men cartoon show. Well, it was obviously in production. There was this really cool like, uh, uh, like final fight. Mm. arcade game and final fight is a side scrolling like you can go up and down in like the 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 field but basically Mm. you're you're all just wandering around the camera uh rolling around the screen beating Mm. up guys and you could be different members of the x-men and 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 the the shtick was you could punch kick and you could use your mutant power which would clear the screen of bad guys yeah or and the big projectile the big gimmick is that they had the screen was so big they had to use two cathode ray tube screens Mm -hmm. side by side yeah you could kind of like wander from one screen to the next depending on what arcade you could have have four or six people you could have all six characters simultaneously the game was chaos and everybody loved it i i remember at the arcades in pasadena mm. this game was always like really hard to get to because yeah. everyone was playing it but the thing <laughs> that everyone hated about it uh, was that so there was always like was night, get, night crawlers mutant power no, or something it wasn't night crawlers it was wolverines because like oh, you yeah. know cyclops shoots a laser okay fine dazzler shoots a light beam okay fine. i think she, she like threw like a light grenade or something and that was fine. whatever it was wolverine shot lasers out of his claws yeah, he waved his hands real fast and he could just clear off everything in front of him. No, 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 no. They actually shot like a red laser out of his claws, like Cyclops' eyes. Yeah, a big sort of like U-shaped no. thing that they shot out. Yeah, It was stupid. They had to do something. I'm, I know. Fine. It's just, I don't know what, I don't know what the it's solution is to, to that. It's still fun to play. It was fun to play, but that was really stupid. <laughs> and nobody liked it. Everyone yeah. thought that was dumb. Mm-hmm. All right, so, uh, so we see them. They're all fighting. the. And this is, by the way, this is probably like... The pièce de résistance of this show's animation, like all of these action sequences, like we have Dazzler fighting off plant monsters and Colossus Mm. going through like a Paul W S Anderson pyramid maze (laughs) where like walls are closing in on him, and it all looks really cool. All all the all none of the training stuff in any of the X Men iterations ever has ever made sense to me. Well, yeah, because they have this holodeck like like on Star Trek, and they can create just sort of imaginary scenarios, or maybe there's like lasers actually embedded in the walls that mm. they actually have to destroy so i guess they're always fixing their own danger it's like room. it's like a badass double dare like yeah, it's just pretty much. something just cool, cool <laughs> obstacle and then they have to fight a giant taco you know <laughs> i don't know what's going on but uh, the scenarios they always came up with for the x-men to fight it's like when are they ever going to be run up against plant monsters now i understand uh, this uh, is comic uh, books uh, they, they and often, already, they, and often they, they do they, they ran up against plant monsters yeah the first chris claremont issue i think giant size x number one they fought against, he, they fought a mutant that was an island okay <laughs> sure uh <laughs> shit what was that fucking thing but name? i'm guessing did, did professor x like have a vision of the future and know that they were going to have to train against plant monsters or did they run up against plant monsters and think you know what we got to incorporate that into our training but i think if like they've already come up anything. if they've already come up against plant monsters what are the odds that they're going to do it again well again it's comic books they're going to come up against every villain a second time so it just the, there, there seems to be an inherent illogic to the way the danger room operates that has never sat well with me. No, it's not Monster Island. <laughs> You're trying to look up the mutant. I'm trying no. to look up the mutant. Anyway, uh, because this is only a 22 minute special, we got to get clicking right away. So uh, yeah. we go straight from the training into the action of the plot. The X Men are called away uh, because the- Krakoa. Krakoa was the name of it's the evil bi- island that was also a mutant. Not Biolanti, the yeah. monster that was created from uh, Godzilla DNA and also roses. I'm embarrassed. There was a time when I simply knew Krakoa. Like that was an important <laughs> part of my brain. It was like, you know of course I know Krakoa. I, I think more important things are occupying that space at this point, like anyway, recipes and stuff. Anyway, Magneto has sent many of his evil mutants uh, mm. to break into a thingy. 
And, and so uh, the so the X Men go, which is subterf- subterfuge, as it turns out. Yes, because the second the X Men leave, Magneto and the Juggernaut, who's this big, unstoppable. Mm. Bustle guy, juggernaut, as it were. Basically, <laughs> uh, they actually go to all the bother of clarifying that he is Charles Xavier's stepbrother, which he is in the mm. comics. Mm. And there's this weird exchange when they break into the mansion because it's just him and Shadowcat, and they don't really have the they kind can't of powers. Fight him off, yeah, and not really. And although Professor X probably could, but anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, Juggernaut's just like, ah, what? No welcome for me, brother. And Professor mm. X is just like, you're always welcome in my home, Kane. It's your choice of friends I take issue with. <laughs> and I just like it because it's kind of snippy. Uh-huh. Like that, I kind of like it. They actually feel kind of like brothers. Where like they usually don't. They usually like never bother like making them feel like brothers, yeah. which I appreciate. Um, and then they steal like Cerebro. They which get, is this again? They see like you know the, 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 the central circuit in the computer, which in the cartoon is like a big glowing orb. It's, it right. lo- looks like a comic book MacGuffin, and it's the thing that helps them find other mutants elsewhere mm. in the in, in the world. Which, which it, the whole Cerebro thing is only c- kind of glossed over in this. Well, cartoon. because here's the but, weird yeah. thing: so the, so the other X Men go off to stop Pyro and I think Blob and the Blob. Doing stuff. Yeah, they, they've, and they've taken like three people hostage, and then the X Men <laughs> save them. And then as soon as they save those people, those people are just like, "Get away from me, mutie!" And like. Whoa, 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 dude, weak. So that but, happens, but then... Well, you're taken hostage by mutants, and then mutants save you. Are you on board with mutants? Well, I'm taking... <laughs> people who are taking hostage by humans and are then are saved by humans mm. are probably pretty cool with the humans who saved them. That's true. That's my point. I think that's the irony. Mm. Um, but Magneto's plan kind of goes off without a, any serious hitch, mm. and then he's on Asteroid M, and he uses the mind control circuit from Cerebro to redirect a comet towards Earth. And I'm like... The, huh? That computer can do anything. Apparently, like I don't quite get how that one works. Well, it, like he—it's it, just a computer circuit, and uh, he computers needs, can do anything. And computers can do anything. And I guess it's also like a source of unbelievable power. Like, I guess in all capital letters, it's um, the Orin. Like, there you go. It's it's the, the cosmic cube, whatever it is yeah. you need. And uh, so, yeah, he uses a laser to redirect a comet toward Earth because he wants to wipe out Earth because he's a bad guy. All right, so there's a ticking uh, clock and the X-Men have to go up mm. into space, which, of course, they can do mm. to stop Magneto. And they get in their big Harrier jet thing, mm. depending on what era you're from. It's the Blackbird or the X-Wing. I don't remember if they actually called it anyone, mm. anything in this one. Uh, is and- X-Wing a Star Wars thing? Yeah, but then they they appropriated it because it's just an X and a wing. Yeah, I guess so. Um, And they they go up into space. Shadowcat is not supposed to go with them because she's completely inexperienced and she kind of let Magneto get that whole Cerebro circuit anyway. So she she feels guilty, so she stows away. She stows away inside one of their lockers, which no one notices, which is kind of funny. Uh, and then she like as the X-Men like go out float out into space to break into the asteroid mm. uh, Professor Xavier finds her in the locker and she's just like I couldn't let everyone go off without me wish me luck professor and I'm like I didn't say you could go like, <laughs> well you know what they don't need to open an airlock for her as it turns out she mm. puts on the spacesuit and just runs through the wall out into whole, space well actually the whole spacesuit thing is kind of hazy anyway because first off to break into Asteroid M, Cyclops needs to shoot a hole into it. He mm. shoots a hole through the visor of his spacesuit. Uh, yeah, that's... That's pretty thin. Like, that's, I mean, it's just a bad, that's just bad continuity. It's just bad yeah. continuity. And then they're just like, okay, Storm, once we get inside that, that asteroid, mm. you're in charge of making sure there's an atmosphere in there. So we just want your powers to combat the vacuum of space and win. <laughs> <laughs> and she does. Of yeah. course she does. And then there's this whole thing, and it's kind of cool and kind of lame at the same time, where they're... 
plowing through uh, Asteroid M, mm. and they keep running into different evil mutants. And yeah. each and time, one X Man decides breaks I'll off take, to fight them. Yeah, I'll yeah. take care of Pyro. You guys move on. And then we see like one point five seconds of a cool fight, and then it stops, and then yeah. it moves on. And then like Wolverine stops Again, to fight Toad, and then the one point five seconds you have, of a cool fight, and then we move on. You have so many characters <laughs> and so little time that that's how you do that. Yeah. You have you show every member of the team. You show a different pairing. Yeah. And you know, like that sort of A versus B, who would win in a fight? Right. And all you need is a couple seconds to move on to the next, to keep yeah. the climax rolling forward. But I even- think it's it 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 seems really fast to us. Yeah. But I think a kid who's sense of pacing is a little accelerated mm. uh, might be able to sort of roll with that, especially the if they've eaten a lot of sugary cereal. At the time, I was bummed. I really wanted oh, more okay. to it. I realize now, of course, that they only had so much time to work with, and I don't know the solution to that problem. Right. But. It, it was frustrating for me because we only got one okay. of these and I wanted more. I wanted more <laughs> of the action because the action looked really, really cool on this show. And it gets to the point where it's basically just Nightcrawler. Mm. And uh, Nightcrawler, again, he's just a nice guy. He's a teleporter. That's all he can do. And he gets in front of the blob. Well, th- and the, here's, here's a cool yeah. thing about that. There, Since there's no one central figure beyond Kitty Pride, mm-hmm. uh, any character can break off or fight any other character. Yeah. It's not going to be predestined that Wolverine is always going to be the one at the very end. Which is one of the things that actually kind of bothers me about the X-Men movies. They're so Wolverine-centric. Like oh, Logan, right, yeah. which we've already seen, and mm. I can tell you right now is great. Uh, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's really, really, really good. Really, really like people are going to talk about that the same way they do about the Dark Knight. It's it's. Uh, I don't know about it's, that. But it's that's one, it's one of, it's one of the big game changers. It's pretty I think, fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, we'll review that on the B Movies podcast the week it comes out. Mm. Uh, but uh, it one of the, the only thing that kind of bothered me about it is this idea that if it's the last excellent story, it must be the last Wolverine story because he was everything. And I'm yeah. like, I, I like the other characters too. I don't right, know. Right, right. Um, but but that's fine. Like you're right. This one doesn't really have that, and it ends up being just Shadowcat. And uh, uh, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler versus Magneto, and we forgot to mention this Lockheed. Oh, the well, Lock- Lockheed is Lockheed is a nothing, character that a lot yeah. of people in the comics enjoyed, particularly in the eighties. The idea was that Kitty Pryde wasn't Kitty, just Kitty Pryde had had a Disney princess sidekick. She had a pet dragon, which was kind of <laughs> cool. And Lockheed is in this show, but he's mm. part of the Brotherhood of Terrorist Mutants. And the only thing he does, he does three things in the in the show. He gets kicked by Magneto. Several times. He gets no no. He gets kicked by Magneto once. He yeah. gets hit by Magneto once. Oh, okay. And then he bites Magneto. That's it. That's everything. And, he and, does. Then, and then he teams up with Shadowcat and breathes fire in, in the epilogue. <laughs> yeah, but like that's it. Like that's all we got. It was kind of weird. So uh, they team up, they they trick Magneto into breaking the circuit so that now the the comet is coming towards asteroid M, but Nightcrawler is actually like the circuit. He's like in like some mm. kind of cartoon or like in a Saw movie. Where like his <laughs> hand to, is he, on one end of a cord, to, and he has to complete the circuit the with his body. Um, yeah, so it, if it he doesn't might have seem, to sacrifice himself in order to kill him. But it doesn't he's a teleporter, seem to, so you're yeah, not really that worried. It doesn't seem to hurt him, and yeah, it looks for a second like he might die, and mm. or he might actually be dead. He didn't teleport off on time. Yeah, but he's okay. He's fine because he's a teleporter. Like I'm not that super no. concerned. Like I don't get it. Do you remember in the '90s cartoon? Mm. Uh, they had a similar drama where a character looked like they looks like they might die, uh, or like they're shot and it looks like they're dead. But in that cartoon, that character actually died. It was Morph. There's a character called Morph, which was, they made up for the show. They made up specifically so that they could kill someone without the fans getting mad. Yeah, yeah. Although Morph came back. Oh, to their credit, yeah, like, they, like they had to three write. seasons later, they came back more. And they, uh, the the gag with Morph was that he was the only person who ever made Wolverine laugh. So Wolverine uh, actually really mourned him. 
watching it's like, who the fuck is Morph? No one cares about Morph. Shut up. And, and Morph they, was shot. And in this one, I think they, they wanted to have that drama, but then Wolverine's okay. So, yeah. Uh, uh, Nightcrawler. Okay. Excuse me, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler uh, was okay. And that's basically yeah. it. And then there's like this big thing where the X-Men will always be bad. I save the world. And it's the X-Men like standing on the planet like they're 500 miles tall. Yeah. Like I was just like, wow, they're going to be huge. And then that's it. And then that was the end of it. And the, and there was no more X-Men. Um, Some people remember the X-Men showing up on Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Uh, they, and they think they, that, but that wasn't the same X-Men. Those, that was not in continuity. The, yeah, they, they used the X-Men characters uh, from time to time on Spider-Man and his amazing friends, uh, which actually predates this. Exactly. I know um, some people remember it, because but that's the thing with that Marvel Action Universe mm. block. You might have seen those after you saw the X-Men pilot. Right. So some people, just so, they, uh, just so we've covered our bases, mm. that was not the continuation of the X-Men. That was a different thing. No, Pride, this was it. Pride of the X-Men continued to air uh, here and there, the mm-hmm. same pilot. They never had enough money to make any more of these, mm-hmm. but they did have this pilot, and uh, they decided to sort of put it in rotation with other superheroes. Sometimes they'd crack it out as a special. Mm-hmm. It was rare. And yeah, uh, it, it was, was kind. It was kind of a uh, special thing. Like, uh, yeah. you know, before, the, before it hit VHS, mm-hmm. this was being passed around, like on, you know, the mm-hmm. kids who were smart enough to tape it or, you know, knew yeah. how to operate their VCRs. Uh, so yeah, when it aired, it was kind of an event for you know ten year olds. Do you remember the? And v- I remember, I remember go. going to like friends' houses and like actually being able to see this. Like I saw it once as a kid. Yeah, and it, it, was, it was special. It, it, it seemed like, and because the animation was so slick, and because these characters were so hallowed in our ten year old minds. Uh, yeah, it seemed like something that was well beyond. Yeah. It was almost like a feature film and how well it was produced. Watching it now, it's sloppy as heck. <laughs> sure, but, <laughs> but no, it's, it's no at the sloppier t- than anything else of the era. No, but it, it seemed like so much slicker and so much better than a lot of the things we were watching at the time. And frankly, it Especially was. compared to a lot of like the 70s Marvel stuff, which mm-hmm. was... Or, or even was the, or the 60s Marvel stuff, which really is like was. really square and it's actually great to watch it's now, actually, but it's, it's actually like just super like low budget. Jack Kirby panels and occasionally... They'd, they'd like move their arm yeah. like that was it that's yeah. all it was like, but they were cool because like they were it, faithful it, adaptations like it, it, of made, it made Johnny Quest look like how Miyazaki it was like <laughs> so unbelievably yeah um, yeah but do you remember when they finally put this out on VHS did you actually watch like the official like at the warehouse VHS uh, I did revisiting it this time because mm-hmm. that VHS is now available on YouTube okay so did you see the uh, the Spider-Man PSA yeah okay so this thing would open with a uh, PSA from a live action Spider-Man uh-huh. not like the one from like the 1970s TV show but like a similar similar though, yeah. but he looks like Spider-Man what are you gonna do yeah. and it was all about him telling kids to go out and register to vote because that's really important <laughs> and I'm like how old do you think the target demo is because I don't think they're all 18 so- buddy yeah, well, and he's he's like he's talking kind of down to a child audience, and that's yeah. fine because uh, the importance you know, of voting because he's, he's Spider Man and, and voting okay. is important. But yeah, but it's like we're not going to register. We're we're like twelve. I know. <laughs> he's telling ten year olds to go out and register to vote. It's the most bizarre thing. This is why Trump thinks there's a lot of voter fraud. It's because the Spider Man. <laughs> <Spider-Man. laughs> kids, like kids are registering, kids are registering to, vote. to vote and voting in several states because Spider Evil Fake News Spider Man is telling them to do so. Right, Spider Man so, is fake. <laughs> so that that is X-Men Pride of the X-Men oh. and um, you know where would it have gone probably where the 1992 cartoon went there's yeah. oodles of X-Men stories that tell oodles of villains mm. you just do them all basically you, you, even, that's it even if there were no other characters if they introduced the entire cast of all the characters we were ever going to use 
on the X-Men series in this mm-hmm. pilot, you'd still have a lot to deal with. Yeah. Because there's a whole team of villains. There's a whole yeah. team of heroes. There's a bunch of classic stories. There's classic classic stories. And X-Men in particular is really uh, good slash bad about time travel gimmicks and so alternate much. timelines and time alternate gimmick. versions of the characters. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, there's plenty to explore. And there's... The whole idea when coming up with the X-Men, and they explored this in the pilot, is A versus B. Mm. What pairing of characters are they going to have fight in these? And they're going to go through all the iterations. And, you know, if you do one each episode, that's six seasons because they have so many characters, (laughs) so many like just mathematical iterations. I feel like they did that with um, uh, the Avengers movie. It's like, okay, now all the characters on screen. What are we going to do? Well... What iterations can they fight in? So now it's Thor v. Iron Man in this scene. Now it's Captain America v. Iron Man in this scene. Now it's Iron Man doing something. Uh, okay, it's an Iron Man movie. But, uh, <laughs> They're all Iron my, Man movies. Thor of, the Dark World is an Iron Man movie. Pretty, I don't know how they did it. <laughs> one one <laughs> of my friends, it. when he saw The Avengers, you know, he's like really looking forward to The Avengers. So what do you think? Well, it's, it's my second or third favorite Iron Man film, he said. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> X-Men. 1989. Was uh, it canceled too soon? Uh, I think it was. I agree. I, I think they could have done a lot with this. And it's kind of a pity that it came. It was essentially the thing that crushed an already crumbling house. Yeah. Uh, it, it couldn't It couldn't carry its own weight. Their really. last gasp was a real attempt to do something good, though. Like, mm-hmm. again, it, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's shabby in the writing department. Usually. The animation was solid for the era. Right. Like, it, it looked like the X-Men. They didn't, like, do anything. Aside mm-hmm. from making Wolverine super Australian, which I still don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get it, but I still think it was a dumb idea. Uh, everything was pretty spot on. Everything yeah, felt yeah. about right. And so... Wolverine being Australian was not what brought this down. You know, no. it's and uh, usually when a, a, a house is failing, they'll try something big, but it'll either be a bad idea or it'll be really cheap. Think of something like uh, Superman four. Yeah. Superman four came out, was a Canon film and mm-hmm. Canon was known for like really cheap B movies and Ninja pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, the greatest movies of the eighties, by the way, <laughs> all, all came out of Canon. We've all seen and, invasion USA. Yeah. Yeah. And they were really trying to sort of go mainstream and break into sort of the world of blockbusters. They made masters of the universe that, that tanked. It's actually a fun movie and, though. Fun movie, but yeah. bad. Also, really uh, bad He-Man adaptation. <laughs> Masters of the Universe and, was made by people who didn't understand He-Man, so they made a Jack Kirby's New Gods movie and changed the names, and that's true. So yeah, if you watch uh, that movie as a New Gods movie, it's actually really cool. If you watch it as a He-Man movie, it's terrible. But uh, yeah, they they just they got the rights to Superman, and they said, "Well, now let's make a Superman movie." But they didn't have any ideas, and they had a really, really, really low budget. Like it's shockingly cheap yeah. to look at Superman 4. Oh, yeah. They especially compared to, over and over again. Especially compared to the 1978 original. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so usually when a studio is trying this sort of last gasp to do something really big... There's an air of desperation th- about it. Yeah, they, they're definitely going to stagger. And this doesn't feel like a stagger. This it, it feels, feels like, like a best foot forward kind of deal. Yeah, it we feels like really we're, we're really right. going to throw everything in. We're going to write it as best we can for, for Saturday morning cartoons yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. And uh, we're really going to 
make something of quality, and I think they really actually did it for the most part. Like I, I have my nitpicks, but mm. this was fun, and if I and I know, and it's helpful because I actually watched this when I was a kid. When mm. I was a kid, I des- I kept watching the Marvel Action Universe in the hopes that there'd be more. <laughs> I didn't understand how it worked. I didn't hear any announcements. Yeah. I just knew that this was really cool, and I was bummed I never and, got another one. And in fact, the animation in this show is better than the animation in the '90s show. The '90s show, they they had to crank that out. And it's so cheap looking. Yeah, if, it really doesn't play very well. Anymore. I, I I remember like, when they aired I the, the first two of the uh, stories, but it didn't really. When they aired the first two episodes, I taped those because that was exciting. Because sure. I was still, you know, ex- excited to see an X Men cartoon show at the time. And there were scenes where like people's features would disappear, <laughs> <laughs> like wrong people would say dialogue, and like mm-hmm. the, the arms would vanish. It was just like so badly animated. Yeah, it was really like, bad. and I under I appreciate that they use that design of those characters, but which at that point was what Jim Lee had kind of codified I look in the, the comic books. But uh, yeah, I look at the two. X-Men I look back series. at yeah at X Men Pride of the X Men. It's like why couldn't it look like that from I, like those eighties style? The, the X the two X Men series like Pride of the X Men mm. is to the X-Men that we got on Fox mm. as Betamax was to VHS. <laughs> superior, but VHS is what caught on. Mm. So that that is Pride of the X-Men. Uh, mm. And I'm glad we finally it's, got to that. It's available on YouTube. You can watch it. You've probably yeah. seen it, though, because it's, it's been if circulating. If you're really uh, so, young, so you might have missed it. It might have, like, because, yeah. like, the, ni- the, the, the 90s X-Men was so prevalent, maybe you've missed it. Mm. Um, if you can track that down, it's easy to find online. Uh, it's fun. It's worth uh, it's worth. Yeah. There's, yeah. some, there's some if, goofiness in it, but it's a good little show. If you've never been on board with the X-Men, this isn't going to be the thing to convert you. In no. fact, this is right in line with all the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, but if you're an X-Men fan, yeah, this is definitely something to, to track down. All right. Do we have any letters? Oh, do we, we ever? we do. Mm. Uh, while you're doing that, if you want to write mm. in to cancel too soon, you can write into the email address we use for both podcasts. It's bmoviespodcast all one word, mm. at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, just put cancel too soon in the header. We always take suggestions for mm. one-season wonder shows that we can review. Um, but if you want to ask questions, share mm. your memories of these shows, uh, your theories, your ideas, mm. rebut something that we <laughs> liked, something you hated, or vice versa, happy to hear about mm. that. Um, and uh, don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter at CancelCast. We're Facebook.com slash Canceled Too Soon. I'm probably forgetting something at this point. Yeah. Uh, well, the first letter we have just says, do Blue Thunder. <laughs> we, we, we Blue Thunder is one that we actually have a plan to get to. It's somewhere, there's someone who wants to come on and do Blue Thunder with us. Yeah. So we'll get to Blue Thunder eventually. Yeah. 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 Uh, this one comes from uh, our Irish listener, George. Hi, George. George White. Yep. Welcome uh, back. <laughs> uh, welcome back, George White. Uh, hello from Ireland. Uh, time gimmick, eh? <laughs> And he's, he spells it with the funny uh, yeah. sort of Welsh spelling. In case anyone, this is anyone's first episode, uh, we came up with a fake what Cancel Too Soon series called Time Gimmick, and uh-huh. we challenged our listeners to come up with what that show would be. Yeah, so this um, is Hello from Ireland, Time Gimmick, A-R-E, this imaginary, and he spells it Irish themed I will write an episode for you. And I have an idea for an episode. Oh, great. In my head, the series was a... We also promised that if you wrote a script, we'd do it on the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? come to regret that. George did it. I know. He, he wrote a script. He wrote a 22-page script. We gotta so do it. So we're going to do this. We're, gonna do this. Uh, we're not going to read the script right now. No. Because we, uh, we need to cast it. We need to do it. Yeah, but... Uh, okay. uh, in his mind, uh, the series was a Nelvana-produced Canadian series. Uh-huh. 
With awful Irish accents and green pastoral landscapes and being Irish-themed, it probably would have gotten ample showings on RTE here in Ireland because they'd buy any foreign product that had an Irish theme, e.g. immigrant-related miniseries like Captains and Kings and the Thornbirds, despite its mangling of Irish place names like, oh gosh, I can't pronounce it, uh, Drogheda? Sure. Being pronounced Drogheda and not Drogheda. Sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm a little fuzzy on my Gaelic origin words. Uh, One Season Wonder, uh, Heath Ledger, Australian shot, Irish set, Celtic Warrior series, Roar. That is, I believe that is on our Amazon wish list. If you want to check it out, uh, we have a link to it on our Twitter account. And uh, he he suggests it should be pronounced Roar. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the U.S. daytime soap, Ryan's Hope, simply because it would save on making actual Irish shows. Uh, My idea for... If this is Doomsday, it must be Belgium idea for time gimmick. Mm. Uh, A reference to a movie that nobody Uh, remembers. Yes. (laughs) If this is Tuesday, this must be Belgium. Uh, His gimmick, the main character, and the kids, other characters, uh, watch a local neighbor being arrested by Gardai for being an informer for the IRA. Gimmick explains to the kids what being a member of the resistance is and sends them back to occupied Belgium where they pose as Jewish orphans in the care of the Belgian resistance fighters who plan to steal deadly a deadly Nazi doomsday device and sell it to a British general, who then turns out to be a saboteur trying to use the bomb to blow up Winston Churchill. Okay, I'm going to throw it out there. George, that's awesome, but I'm starting to see why the show got canceled. <laughs> this imaginary <laughs> like, show. I want to see that episode real bad, but I can kind of see why maybe it didn't uh, take off. <laughs> on a more realistic <laughs> note... There are numerous actual short-lived time travel series, e.g. Voyagers. Yep. Uh, the we short- have Voyagers, actually. We're we have Voyagers. Yeah, point, we're yeah. going to get to Voyagers. Uh, the short-lived universal backlot-bound Time Bandit slash Doctor Who knockoff and Aussie shot international time chase series, Time Tracks. Also on our list. Although I uh, think time tracks, lasted lasted, time tracks lasted two seasons, yeah, 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 so it's yeah, not yeah. on our list. Yeah, apologies. Yeah, we talked but, about it. I remember that. I watched it. <laughs> I loved time tracks at the time. <laughs> Fuck, of course you did. <laughs> Both of which would be suitable for Cancel Too Soon, yours, yours George White. Um, uh, yeah, sadly, we cannot do time tracks. Some people have asked, like, why is one season our mm-hmm. cutoff? I feel like we haven't talked about it in a while. We do shows that lasted one season or less. Mm-hmm. If it had more than one season, we don't do it. We're making one quick exception for mm-hmm. Police Squad because someone bought it for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why we do one season there's a couple of reasons. First off, we feel if you had two seasons, you had your shot. You, well, had a you, you to were find renewed. You, you've yeah. you've had an audience. Somebody at a studio said, "This is good enough. We need yeah. more of it." Yeah. If it's one, season, it's more interesting if somebody looks at a show and says, "Yeah, we're done." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but also, if it's more than one season, it's kind of hard to do this on a weekly basis. So there's exactly, of material yeah. to go through. Occasionally, we're bummed out. We don't. Mm. I, I would love to do Murder One. That was one of my favorite shows. Mm. I thought it was canceled too soon. It lasted two seasons. It had a shot. Yes. Uh, do, 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 do. Anything else? Uh, Canadian Keith writes in. Okay. Uh, here's a question for, about the criteria for Cancel Too Soon. Oh, well, there uh, we go. Do the shows have to be scripted? If not, here are three great one-season reality shows that I remember watching. We've never discussed that. We haven't done any unscripted shows. There's no reason why we couldn't. I think we lean more towards narrative shows because it's hard to speculate about what people would do with sort of game show stimuli. Yeah. Um, now there is. We, could, we do kind of want to do game shows. There's a couple there, of game shows. There's, a game, there's one game show in particular that I'd like to do. Which is? Uh, you Don't Know Jack. Uh, oh, that's the one. You, they did a You Don't Know Jack TV, uh, TV Donald, game show version. Donald Trump had a game show. Yeah, it was called Celebrity Apprentice. No, 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 no. Like a game show, like a quiz show. It was like hosted at like one of his his casinos. Mm. And I'm having trouble tracking that down. If I can ever find 
that. I'm going to totally do that because that's awesome. So, no, there's no reason why we can't, but we tend to gravitate towards mm. scripted because it's easier to talk about what we're comfortable yeah, talking about. But we're, we're open to the idea. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, he suggests uh, Superstar USA from 2004, seven episodes, essentially a parody of American Idol, right down to the equivalent versions mm. of the host and each of the judges. The best singers were eliminated. The worst singers advanced. Ah, uh, so over the gong show. Yeah, it's like inverted American Idol, American anti-idol. Mm. Uh over the series, they were groomed to sing even worse than how they started, culminating in performing in front of a cheering audience. The producers told them the contestants were terminally ill. It was like a Make-A-Wish Foundation setup. That's fucked up. Yeah, finally, the truth was awkwardly revealed to each of the three finalists, along with paltry cash consolation prizes that might cover a few months of their inevitable future therapy sessions and antidepressant medication. So schadenfreude of the series. Yeah, that's just mean. That, that, that's, that's incredibly that's, cruel. It that's lasted horrible. seven episodes. Jesus. That was approved. We might have to do that because oh, that's God. awful. Right. Uh, another one. On, I, I feel guilty watching. <laughs> on the Lot, 2007, 16 episodes. Aspiring filmmakers rush to complete, complete restrictive short films within a one-week timeline. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, and, and I they remember br- hearing about this one. As they burn out, the films get worse and the judges seem to care less and less. I vividly <laughs> recall one episode... Uh, with Gary Marshall spanking Carrie Fisher over his knee during the closing credits with no context as to how they got to that point. Okay, we also want to do that. Okay, <laughs> just for lie. that scene, that I want to do that. Good. I'm not going to lie. The that final cool. episode saw host Adriana Costa, who earlier had replaced Chelsea Handler, admitting that a technical glitch caused a large portion of the votes not to be counted, but she assured the audiences that, quote, we do have a certified winner. That winner, Will Bigham, was then driven to DreamWorks to have an awkward meet and greet with Steven Spielberg, and then for the past 10 years, he has done very, very little. Um, I, I actually had a, an idea for a, a similar show I wanted to pitch to like the independent film channel. Yeah, and I think it was, it was like a Five Obstructions, the TV series. Yeah, that's a good idea. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that's a fun one. We we mm. be down to do that. Uh, and the third one is Kid Nation. Oh, this and I remember Kid Nation. This is actually, uh, and this was really controversial, so it was actually, taken off the air. This for, is actually for one the of the ones I was thinking. Yeah. If we did do a reality show, we yeah. would want Kid do Nation this. from 2007. Yeah. It lasted 13 whole episodes. Wow, oh, this lasted 13. I don't remember lasting that long. I uh, yeah, it got canceled real fast. No, they okay. they, yeah. they had the they had the time to fill. So, uh, 40 children aged eight to 15 are given a small town and are expected to create a society without any outside help. Yeah. Uh, b- parents who eventually visited the set claimed off-camera producers and directors were heavily coaching them and creating false drama and conflicts like they do on all reality That's shows. That's all reality shows. Uh, I remember Literally this one being as the most entertaining of the three and the only one that was really canceled too soon. Six years later, one of the contestants did an AMA on Reddit and it was a fitting epilogue to the show. Thanks for the okay. co- podcast, Kenny and Keith. Those are really good suggestions. And if we do, again, mm-hmm. we don't tend to focus on reality TV, but those are good examples of ones that are kind of what the fuck and worth, uh, worth mm-hmm. getting into. Let's do one more letter. Okay. Uh, the, That's a the, super fucking long letter. Uh, actually, this is just a uh, sort of a PS from the previous letter from George. So okay. he actually, this is the same letter continued. Uh, he, Other people write in. Other people do write in. <laughs> George is very enthusiastic, and we appreciate that enthusiasm. And, uh, make sure, and know, in fact, also writing his, goes, we'll get to you. Just, George writes a lot. Depth, and so, the, does, so does Keith, and so does like a lot of them. The, the depth of George's knowledge of bizarre, like Canadian and British soap operas, is staggering, u- is staggering and unique to to our listener yeah. I think um, he said, "I also I wrote my own cancel too soon pilots, e.g., the first Anglo-Canadian soap opera, The Caravans of Dulham Heath, set in a ger- generic caravan." Park filled with British and Canadian people that uh, that never quite said where it was set. 
and The Valiant Van Helsing, a 90s syndicated series about Van Helsing trying to find new things to hunt after leading a vampire genocide. Ultra expensive opening <laughs> scene, all of the original concept for the Monster Squad. Armies of Zeppelins in the Great Carpathian Vampire War. <laughs> then Van Helsing traveling around the Pacific, i.e. New Zealand, being cheap to film in, leading a group of misfits, including his former prize virgin and a bunch of Maori pirates on a quest to find the new evil, i.e. Lovecraftian space cloud with some vague connection to Easter Island, who, like the vampires, is unbound by time. But while a la Dracula the series, the vampires are frozen in time, essentially immortal watchmen of the chronosphere. The new evil can travel about and see back and forth, but there are they are afraid of the vampires who, <laughs> oh jeez, who they see as time patrolmen, um, yeah, I can't imagine why this uh, <laughs> this one was never sold. Uh, but has hidden himself in Tahiti, but a la the great intelligence in Doctor Who, has many minds, mainly immortal colonial uh, sorts, including Captain Cook and various alchemists who are subconsciously aware they are being controlled by this new evil, for which the year for years has maintained its corporeal form in berries that have been eaten by innocent missionaries. Oh, jeez. John, uh, write a book. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean that. I mean that in a positive way. Yeah. Write a book. I don't know if it's a nonfiction book about all the about yeah. the weird stuff you know about or or a fiction book about all these incredibly awesome, crazy ideas you have. No. Uh-huh. Write a book. Write a book. I'm serious. I think you'll be happy for it, and I think the world might be a better place mm. for it because that's cool. Do we have one letter from someone we don't usually hear from? Yeah, this comes okay. from uh, Dylan. Hey guys, Dylan here. I was listening to your Point Pleasant uh, for the first time. Okay. And while I was walking home, I randomly started to think about the Animaniacs and Katie Kaboom. Because <laughs> I, I compared the show to yeah, Katie Kaboom. Yeah. Well. Uh, when, lo and behold, not 30 seconds later, you mentioned her on the show. Sorry. I was so surprised. I stopped walking. I think I'm psychic. Email back. Email me back for lottery numbers. Uh, uh, okay. We'll, we'll take them. Because well, God knows we could use. No, he, he wants uh, us to get, or he's psychic. Yeah, he's psychic. No, we don't. You know, he's the one who's psychic. You need to give us the lottery. Send us the lottery numbers. Tell you what, I'll make you a deal. You send me the lottery numbers. I'll play them. I'll, I'll definitely play whatever we, numbers we, you send us. We will play those lottery numbers. I, I do. To, I do one. play the. I do play the lotto from time to time. You can't fantasize I, about winning the lottery if you never play. That's true. That's the rule. <laughs> you can't win if you don't play. You can't win yeah. if you do play, but you also can't you win if you don't play. play every week, so. but every once in a while, you got to get a ticket. Yeah, yeah. yeah, once in a while, like yeah. the jackpot now is like four hundred million dollars. I'll take it. Some like super villain amount of money. Yeah, uh, and we have one last short one. If you want to get to yes, that one, might as well. There's one last. Um, what do we got? Topher White, the Elder, because father and son both write in. That's so cool. All uh, right, and I am heartbroken that two series I was watching this year have been canceled: Conviction and Pure Genius. Conviction is no surprise. The show was as much of a hot mess as its main character. This was not a great vehicle for Haley Atwell. Haley Atwell can't get a break. I know she's so like, great though. She's so, she's great and she's uh, in high profile stuff, but it all kind of ends. Or she Agent plays... Carter was it lasted two seasons. Mm-hmm. Really good show. Oh yeah, it was real. Like it was it was. Fun. It was punchy. It was feminist. It was cool. It had good storylines. Mm. It was really, really cool. Mm. You know, maybe it's not the most amazing thing ever. It's not like Jessica Jones good, but like it was really yeah. good. And she le- and they, that got canceled. So she did Conviction, and Conviction got canceled. That is on our list, and mm. we might get to that pretty soon because yeah. we do want to stay like kind of abreast of newer shows. And yeah, what about so, the other? One? Uh, the, however, I'm heartbroken about Pure Genius. Uh, the show had heart. It had hope. Heart and Hope are in capital letters. Mm. Uh, those are two things we need more of. I love the premise, the cast, the stories. I will sorely miss it. Topher White, the Elder, Seattle, Washington. Yeah, um, uh, Pure Genius was a medical show about uh, like a Silicon Valley billionaire who tries to invest in like mm. curing diseases and stuff. Sorry, Dermot yeah. Mulroney. Oh, yeah. um, and Conviction was about uh, people with a lot of conviction. 
<laughs> it was about having conviction. Yeah. No, no, no. It was uh, uh, it was the former first daughter. You know, she was the president's daughter a while ago. And now she's heading the Conviction Integrity Unit. Uh, <laughs> and they re-examine cases where they think there was a wrongful conviction. Oh, that's fun. That's a, that's decent, a, fun, that's a fun premise. Perfectly yeah. decent idea for a show. Didn't uh, take off. It uh, lasted 13 episodes. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think we'll probably get to that one pretty soon in particular. Mm. Um, so thank you for the suggestions. Again, we're always taking suggestions. Uh, the suggestion list is crazy ass long, and we only do about one a week, sometimes a little less. Yeah. Uh, it'll take a while to get to everything. But if you send us something, mm. uh, particularly if you send us, particularly if you buy us a DVD for Amazon Wishlist, we don't have Patreon yet. We're not asking for money, but you can send us material to review. We'll get to that as soon as we can. Yeah. We don't want to do only the Amazon Wishlist stuff because we really want to surprise you once in a while. And if it gets a DVD release, it's probably reasonably well known. Uh, but and, we're and, make, we, and we like to do obscure stuff. But we're making we a concerted before. effort uh, uh, to do at least one or two of those every single month. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started with Point Pleasant. We're going to do Police Squad next week. The week after that, we're doing a listener's choice. Uh, there's by the time this is out, there might be like a half day left uh, <laughs> to put up uh, to, to vote in the vote poll up. that we have on Twitter. Right now, Alcatraz is running the fuck away with it. So it looks like you're probably going to be Alcatraz. St- still vote. Your vote always counts. If you but don't it- want to hear an episode about Alcatraz, hurry the fuck up. <laughs> it's probably going to be Alcatraz at this point. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Right. I wanted to see Alcatraz when it came out. We'll talk about the show talk Alcatraz, about Alcatraz, produced by J.J. Abrams, about a bunch of people who disappear from Alcatraz and show up again years later. There you go. Cool. Mystery. It was their follow-up to Lost. Had a couple of cast members from Lost in it. Um, so that's, in two weeks, we'll do the Listener's Choice episode. Mm-hmm. In one week, we're doing Police Squad. Police Squad. Uh, and Which, as you've, you've explained before, kind of violates our rules. Uh, uh, yes, but it's one of the funniest damn it's, shows. It's, it's so damn funny. Yeah, I've been, so I've the been... creators of Airplane, it mm-hmm. ended up inspiring the Naked Gun movies. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 a, it's a blast. It, it's so damn funny. It's like, really, really great. Like, not not a low moment on the show, really. No, 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 uh, no. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about that one. Um, and uh, uh, that's thanks, thanks for tuning it. in. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for tuning in uh, again. You can follow me on Twitter at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibel. We are together at Cancelled Cast. You can also listen to the B Movies podcast, where we reviewed movies, uh, talk about movie news. This week, we're going to be talking about our Oscar predictions. Uh, it, it's it's we interview like celebrities on that one. It's it's kind of a thing. <laughs> Uh, you can also uh, catch us on Crave Online, Blumhouse.com. I'm occasionally on the movie trivia Schmodown, competing uh, with various other critics who you probably know. We're trying to get you on some point. Uh, that, that'd be great. I, yeah. I'm, I, I look forward to failing miserably on the Schmodown, <laughs> like just being beaten into the dirt because I'm. I see a lot of movies. I know a lot about movies, but I'm so bad at like trivia now, especially yeah. now that I have a toddler in the house and my brain doesn't function. Right. So uh, <laughs> it's like. Uh, who? What? What movie is the movie Predator? Oh gosh! Oh, uh, don't tell me! Don't tell me! Predator Two. <laughs> was it? Was it Predators? No, you got that wrong. Ah, damn it! Uh, so everybody, thank you for listening. That is a wrap, and we'll see you next season.